preach in Jesus' name this morning. I'd like to start with a question. What do you think would be the most prominent character quality that drew people to Jesus when he was walking on the earth? People were attracted to him. Uh, you all know that. I know that. What what character quality would you think would be the primary one that would have drawn people, attracted people to Christ? like that's a tough question. Selflessness. Selflessness. Okay. It seems like maybe different things for different people, but maybe compassion. Okay. Compassion. He led by example. He led by example. Alright. Integrity. These are all very, very close. Uh, my guess would have been that he simply cared, and that's very close to what we're selfless. You know, it's like all these. He he cared, and people knew that he cared. Somehow that. That caring flowed out of him, and people could pick up on that. And of course, he did a lot of things, but it was a product of his caring. Um, so this morning, we're going to take a little, a little. Uh, journey through the book of John and uh, just answer the question how can I care like Christ I believe that if people were going to be attracted to Christianity there's a lot of things that attract people I don't know but I, I, I think that this would have to be one of the core things that attract people to Christianity that, that that you care about them and that you are interested in their life so we're going to probably read about six or eight different stories here this morning and just uh, pick out a few things um, certainly this is not going to be exhausted, exhaustive in any sort but just to get our uh, minds thinking, um, springboard um, um, to further thought. Uh, how can I care like Christ? What does this start in chapter 2? Yeah, there was a wedding going on. So uh, this is uh, 
pretty pertinent to our congregation right now. Got one down, three to go, or I don't know how many. It's like this is uh, I was going to say it's a disease, but I guess it's not. But. <laughs> so it's a wedding going on, but you, you know what weddings are like. This is a little bit of high pressure. I mean, you know, it's like you want everything to go all right. You know, it's just so everybody's just 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 just, 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 just tad nervous. Um, um, we got married. The bishop, he was up front here, and, and he says, uh, you know, he he says, I, I don't know. He said why people get so nervous of weddings you know his hands are doing this thing you know and, and <laughs> so I guess he's kind of self-analyzing himself whatever but uh, yeah he was as nervous as anybody was but anyhow that was one of the statements that he said I thought was fun kind of interesting I guess probably because I could relate to it you know when you're sitting right down there in front there <clears throat> so everything needs to be you know we just want everything to go right and and if something does go wrong, hopefully it's not big enough that anybody sees it, you know, like, whatever. The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Now, we've got a crisis going here. We've got all the people around. you got, and something that's expected to happen. And it's something to expect that there's going to be plenty of, and they run out. Uh, in our community in Maryland, they have sometimes wedding in homes, and so there people scattered out through the house. You know, they just take all the furniture out and put chairs in, and and they had just one wedding where one whole room never got served anything to eat. I mean, it's like, whoa. And I'm not sure how that happened. I, I think if if I would have been in view of the room, I maybe would have went and kind of give somebody a little hint. You know, you missed like thir 13 or 15 people or 20 or whatever. But anyhow, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And he filled them to the brim, and he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants who drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, saith to him, Every man in the beginning does set forth good wine, but when men have well drunk, then they would, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine till now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So we got the wedding going, and the wine's all, and Jesus set about because he cared to alleviate the embarrassment of somebody else in an uncontrolled situation. Am I willing to 
care enough to attempt to alleviate somebody's embarrassment in a situation that they cannot control. And I find it interesting, not only did he alleviate the, the embarrassment, he went to the bridegroom and gave him a compliment. I mean, the bridegroom was given a compliment because of what Jesus did. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control, nobody can control. For example, if if somebody is not being included into a circle of friends or something, like, what are we going to do about it? Like, they can't help that. They can't help somebody else's behavior. Um... You know, children, adults, you know, it's like, uh, am I, do I care enough to do something that alleviates a situation another person cannot control? Let's go to uh, verse 12. After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brother and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money sitting. When he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen poured out the changers' money, and, withdrew the, and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take those things hence, Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. The disciples remembered it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Got a bad situation going on here. Um, religious people taking advantage of the poor, uh, making the temple into an auction. Um, just... It was wrong. I mean, it was so wrong. You know, Jesus could have said, you know, this whole situation is pathetic. I'm going home. It's so wrong. I'm not, I'm not hanging out here. I'm, I'm, I'm going home. <coughs> to go about addressing situations that are all wrong and I, I understand that you know God hasn't called us the wrong to right every wrong that we see in the world alright but do I care enough to, to, to do something to change it. However great or small that may be. And even at the risk of personal rejection, you know, it's, it's not, not my opinion that it's wrong. It's just simply wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. 
plate. Am I going to care enough to make a difference, to make some kind of a change, to help do something to right that wrong? Jesus, he, he got a, some cords and he starts chasing the animals out and he turned the tables upside down and ah, it'd be pretty radical for me I tell you what you know uh, but do I care enough to well, so, something's really really wrong do I care enough to Try to do something rather than just stand by and decry the situation. Let's turn chapter 3. There was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. Same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time when his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou cannot tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things no man hath ascended up into heaven but he that has come down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but everlasting life. For God sent his not, not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but he, that the world through him might be saved. If you have a man came to Jesus by night, um, how, you like, how, how, how many like to relax in the evening? Time to go to bed, you want to go to bed, right? I mean, you could logically say, you know, Nicodemus had all day. What's the deal? I'm tired. Like, I was telling Nicodemus, hey, come in the morning, I'll talk to you. Undoubtedly, Jesus, you know, it would have been unusual for his schedule to be such that he 
wouldn't have made any difference if it was night or day or whatever. Yeah, he's a busy man. But Jesus took time to minister to people's spiritual needs. And he was... Um, he had a man that didn't understand. He had a man possibly uh, was dealing with some personal fear. I don't know why he came by night. But I have a, sus- I have a suspicion... Maybe he'd have preferred not to be seen there. I don't know. I may have just reading too much into it. But he didn't know. He asked a question that was almost ridiculous. I mean, can man enter into his mother's womb and be born again? It's like, what kind of a question is that? That's a pretty far out question. Well, the answer is obviously no. But Jesus takes time to minister to people that didn't understand. Did it very gently. I uh, took time to explain. He wasn't curt with Nicodemus. Um, he was a little blunt, even, but he, but he, but he was care. You know, he said, "Like you were told, but you don't, you don't believe." And uh, Jesus hit a home run on Nicodemus, didn't he? Changed Nicodemus' life. He shows up later. Try take time to explain. Do I take time to? Do I take time to understand? Um, a brother told me one time, and I, I uh, thought about it lots since. If, if somebody, you know, if, especially if you're at odds with somebody, and and or even general conversation, you know, you're trying to iron something out. Um, now I know this can be done in a wrong way, but if it's done in the right way. After the person is done explaining, you say, "Okay." What I hear you saying is this, 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 and this. Is that correct? If the person says yes, then you know you understand them. If they say no, that is not what I was saying. I was saying this, this, and this. And you keep that process up till you know you have understood the other person. Now that takes time, especially if it's a difference of opinion. How can you ever come to any kind of a solution if you're not seriously interested in understanding the other person to the fullest? 
Okay, let's turn to chapter 4. Verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. Here the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Thus when the woman of Samaria said, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, Thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered, and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, we shall neither in this mountain nor in, at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak to thee, to thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith unto the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Here we have Jesus ignoring class distinction. Okay. Culture is loaded with class distinction. He knew it. The woman knew it. Everybody knew it. That certain people talk to certain people and other people don't talk to other people. And Jesus showed personal interest. And um, 
We had a picnic here Wednesday night. And I confess that I sat on one side of the crowd when there was people from the community on the other side of the crowd. I'm sorry about that. I can make all kind of excuses in my mind that I'm not the kind of person that likes just outgoing and go up to people and say, hi, how are you, what's your name, and all this stuff. And I can make all kind of excuses that I always was like that because I hate getting acquainted with socials at Bible school with a passion. Serious. I hate them things. And when I became business administrator, I had the privilege of going home. And that was one of the perks of my job. They can have their get acquainted socials all they want in Bible school, and I don't have to put up with it. If I'm going to get acquainted with somebody, I want to get acquainted on my terms, not somebody else's terms, and forced into the situation. All right? I can make all kinds of excuses. But I am brutally honest with myself when I'm studying this. Yeah? I cannot say I stood there, I mean, I sat there and didn't see what was going on. I felt bad about it. I can say I cared, and I think I did. But the question and the brutal fact is that I didn't care enough. I had to be brutally honest with Dennis Martin. I didn't care enough. I tried to patch it up a little bit. When people were leaving, I met in the parking lot, thanked him for coming. Lame excuse. And I can say, well, what do I have in common? Well, what did Jesus have in common? They both like water, right? I mean, that's basic. I mean, you go up to somebody and say, hi, my name's Dennis Martin. You like water? I like water. Okay, what I'm saying is we can complicate this thing in our mind when something very simple I mean everybody you know they have a job and they live somewhere and they have children if they came to Bible school and you know and even though this lady like Jesus said oh yeah you don't have a husband Um, you know you got five and one you have and she switched the subject and said said, well, you know, we worship here and you worship there. And Jesus went right along with him and said, yeah, that's right. And and so even though she's being evasive and, you know, changing the subject on him, he's just very kindly just, oh, yeah, well, we can talk about where you worship too. And, and, and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So I wish I could do last Wednesday night. 
over again, but I can't. And I thought about it, you know, it's like a memory came to my mind. Uh, we, was worried, we was married about, I don't know, two, three years or something, and my younger brother and I, uh, none of the rest of his family seemed interested, but my brother and I, younger brother Dave and his wife and Mary Sue and I, we decided we're going to go back to the church where we grew up. I mean, where we cut teeth on a church hymnal, all right? Literally. I don't know if my mom allows to do that, but I, you know what I'm saying, all right? From infant, for me, 13 years. So we go back there Sunday morning. It's like, we're going to go back there and just see how it always was, you know? So I was surprised. I didn't know they had ushers. But somebody met us at the back door immediately and got us a place to seat, sit, and the place was packed. And they got us a place to sit. So that kind of surprised me. And, and so, but then after church, nobody said boo. In fact, I walked out of there and says, you know, it's like these people looking at us like we're from outer space. So nobody said anything in the church, so, you know, it's like we went out and stood outside and everybody else, and nobody said anything to us either. And they just kept looking at us, and like, I guess they were thinking, why in the world Meta Martin's son's here? I don't know what, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, maybe they did care I don't know but then a guy that I worked with at my uncle's milk processing plant he came and he talked to us for a little while and he left and we stood there a while and we said well we'll go home that flashed back in my mind did they care I have no idea but they did, I didn't know it. Chapter 5, verse 1. After this there came a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. These lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the removing of the water. And For an angel went down a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in and was made whole, whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there had infirmity thirty and eight years, and Jesus saith unto him, saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool while I am coming, and others step it down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately a man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath.
The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It's a Sabbath day, and it's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered him, He that may be whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus, finding him in the temple, said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. So here's a man, had physical need. Um, so Jesus strikes up a conversation with him. And he does, he does what he can. To alleviate that physical need this man had. He cared enough. And if you go to chapter 6, another incident. Uh, after these things, Jesus went up to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and saw a great multitude follow him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up to a mountain, there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he sent to Philip, what shall ye buy bread that, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Jesus' brothers, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves, two small fishes, but were they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down and number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragrance that fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This of a truth, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. See, so a five thousand hungry people. They rent a a uh, Editorial by A.W. Tozer recently about Philip the calculator. He had a problem. Philip gets out his calculator and says it can't be done. And so uh, there's a good possibility that I have a sermon sometime in the future about that uh, when you're looking at the impossible. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Um, you, you know, you may look at a situation and say, well, you know, the, the physical need is overwhelming okay and and so uh, like why start hey, you can take position of Philip uh, you, you can but, but then there's Andrew Andrew says you know what I don't have much 
we, we didn't got much here around here. You know, it's like, here's this little boy with, with some loaves and fishes, and I'm not sure why everybody else is out of food, but the little boy, I mean, this is out of character. Little boys eat their food faster than the adults do, don't they? I mean, you know, it's like they, they can't keep their fingers out of the lunchbox. Uh, but somehow or the other, uh, this little boy had his, and, you know, so it's like, I don't have much. I don't have much, but I'm going to give it to Jesus. Do I care enough about somebody else's physical needs that I can at least give a little bit? Can I at least get something going? Can I place that into the hand of Jesus and say, you know, I, I don't have much. I mean, this, this this looks so overwhelming. It's so big and the needs are so great. And, and, and I know that I can't do much at all, but I, I'll give what I have. I mean, I care enough to give what I have. Chapter 8. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman <coughs> taken adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that which that such should be stoned but what sayest thou this said they tempting him that they might have to accuse him but Jesus stooped down with his finger right on the ground though he heard them not as though he heard them not so when they continued asking he lifted himself and said unto him he that is without sin among you let him let him cast first cast a stone at her Again he sat down, stooped down, wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Even to the last, Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted him up himself and saw none that but the woman, he saith unto her, Woman, where are thy accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. Jesus saith unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Caring people don't judge at first sight. If you go down to verse 15, Jesus makes that statement. In another situation, but he says, Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. So we have a situation, and uh, do I judge at first sight? I look at somebody and say, That's yeah, waste, you know. 
One time I took a tour of Bald Eagle's wilderness camp, and the boys had their goals on the wall. All right, so each boy had their goal up on the wall. They were all the same. It was kind of the same vein, I suppose, but I guess what they were being taught at the camp. And uh, one of the boys' goals struck me, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. One of them said, don't jump down another person's throat every time there's a problem. That was his goal. Don't jump down everybody's throat. Don't jump down another person's throat every time there's a problem. Jesus didn't jump down her throat. I have a hard time envisioning this verbal transaction without tears in the eyes of Jesus and the lady in verse 11. I can't envision anything else. Chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his, pre- or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of them that sent me, while as day, the night cometh, no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am alive of the world. Yeah, when he had thus spoke, and he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. He said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Caring people don't blame shift. You know what happens when I blame shift? Somebody else becomes a victim of my blame shifting. So they're saying, okay, who's the problem? Who's the problem? Got a problem here. Who's the problem? Is, is it the boy's problem or is the parent's problem? It's like, who's sinned here? It's like, this got to be a sin. And, and whose problem is it? And how are we going to do all this stuff? And it's like, they're looking for... Jesus said he was born blind so that you might see the power of God. Okay, Jesus pulls them right into the problem. There was a problem. There was a blind man. All right, he's blind. Rather than saying, what can I learn from this? They're saying, whose fault is it? You ever meet somebody that everything that went wrong was always somebody else's fault? And if you met them, which we probably all have, would you call them a caring person? 
No. And then Jesus meets this man later and and he after he's taken this flack verse 35 Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him he said unto him dost thou believe on the son of God he answered and said who is he Lord that I may believe on him and Jesus saith unto him thou hast both seen him and it is he that talketh with thee and he said Lord I believe and he worshipped him That's what happens when you don't blame shift. And it's time to close. And the next one is 46 verses. Alright, so I'm not going to go there. But get your, get your tablet out and write this one down. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 16. And I'll just tell you, caring people empathize with others in time of crisis and by their actions create new life and hope. That's chapter 11, verse 1 to 46. Because we go there, you won't be out to quarter to 12. And I have no intention to keep you to quarter to 12. And so I'll give you a little homework and you can take care of that one. Some, just some things to think about. Look at the life of Christ. How can I care like Jesus?